We talk about the 10-year anniversary of the LA Kings winning their first Stanley Cup. We talk about an upcoming celebration of the career of Dustin Brown and, of course, the season so far for the LA Kings with the host of the All the Kings Men podcast, Jesse Cohen, on this edition of Locked on LA Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Kings, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Kings fans, welcome to Locked on LA Kings, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked on LA Kings your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Please like and subscribe if you're enjoying this content. My name is Eddie Garcia, your host of Locked on LA Kings. I've worked in sports media for almost 30 years. The past 20 plus years of the Fox Sports Radio Network, also co-host of the Puck Podcast, a weekly NHL review show that's been putting out content for the past 16 years. And of course, a passionate LA Kings fan for the past 30 years. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. We are excited to be joined for the first time by the host of the All the Kings Men podcast, the official podcast of the LA Kings. His name is Jesse Cohen. And Jesse, great to have you. Appreciate your time. How are you doing today? Good, Eddie. Thanks. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Glad to have you with us and looking forward to uh, talking a few different things with you. Uh, in particular, a certain celebration uh, with the Los Angeles Kings that uh, maybe some people don't even know uh, took place, but you're uh, helping them to know about it. But first, um, this is the first time we've had you on, uh, so I, I would like to just kind of start with what were your expectations for the LA Kings coming into this season and and how have uh, how those expectations been met to this point? Well, um, thanks for having me on, for starters. I don't want to pat myself on the back too hard, but as early as like february or march of last year uh maybe a little bit later in the season once it was clear that the kings were going to make the playoffs um i was sort of banging the drum that it was entirely possible that the team could inarguably improve this year but still miss the playoffs and that it wouldn't necessarily have anything to do with the kings that the pacific division might simply improve around them at a faster rate than they improved. So I saw Vegas as having a rebound year. I thought Vancouver would be much better than they were this yeah, year. So did I. Um, you know, who who could have foreseen that, I suppose? Um, I didn't anticipate Seattle, mm. and I thought Calgary and Edmonton would be just as good as they were last year. Yep. Uh, obviously didn't see the roster shakeup in Calgary coming, but I think that through the first half of the season, one of the things that everybody was saying in Kingsland was, well, the Kings need to sort out their in inconsistencies and sort out their problems faster than Edmonton and Calgary are figuring out what's holding them back. And at the moment, I haven't looked at the standings today, but I'm pretty sure Edmonton is, you know, right at the heels and Seattle and Vegas are ahead of the Kings. So my expectations were, I, I try not to dabble in expectations mm-hmm. in any given season, but I had a number of conversations with a number of people where we said, if everything goes right for the Kings, like if every question mark on the board turns up with a giant thumbs up in the Kings direction, I thought they could be cup contenders. Um, however, nothing ever always goes right for any team 
So it was unlikely that that was going to happen. I couldn't have foreseen, you know, what happened in net for the team. I certainly didn't anticipate any players making more than, you know, 1.5 million being sent to Ontario. That was not something I expected to happen. Um, But uh, other than that, I suppose the team is performing about where I sort of expected they would, but, but, goaltending is a huge uh, thing to uh, to to not have seen coming. Oh, there's no doubt about that. And and I've mentioned it before on, on the show. Uh, one of the great things about sports is that even for people who supposedly are in the know and like to tell you what they think is going to happen, things are still unpredictable. And certainly Phoenix Copley was unpredictable, to say the least. Uh, nobody could see that coming, including him. Uh, it's certainly been a great story. Um, your thoughts on if he's able to maintain this going forward. Well, I thought Nick Nixon and Daryl Evans uh, sort of put it perfectly a week or two ago. I was driving home from one of the games, listening to uh, King's talk and a caller called in and asked them uh, their concern level for Phoenix Copley falling back to earth. And uh, I may be putting words in their mouth. So apologies if I am, but the, the answer was essentially it's difficult for a player to fall back to earth when they're not flying that high to begin with. (laughs) And one of the storylines that I myself have been personally obsessed with during Phoenix Copley's run is just how many times his teammates are blocking shots in front of him. I haven't checked the stat in a few days, but for a while he led the league in percentage of shot attempts against blocked by teammates. And it was close to like 25%. And when you factor in that a quarter of the shot attempts against him are blocked, and I think he is probably in the top 10 in the league um, in number of times shot attempts against hit the post. Um, He was 13th the last time I checked with a stat service that actually tracks that information, but it was more than one a game. And uh, he was 13th at 13 games played. So I imagine he's near the top 10 in that category. And then you find out that the team is, you know, first or third since December 15th in preventing passes to the slot, clearing rebounds, suppressing shot attempts. And you find out, oh, my gosh, this team is playing unbelievable shutdown, um, you know, offense suppressing defense. So he's playing absolutely uh, absolutely fine. Sounds so derogatory. He's playing. <laughs> he's playing just fine. He's playing absolutely fine, but he's not Dominic Hasek. He's not coming along and going to steal the Vezina or win the Jennings or anything like that. He is playing the kind of style that this team probably needs that when you play really stingy defense in front of, will give you wins more often than not. That's what we're seeing. And I don't want to make that sound as if I don't think he's doing a good job. He is. He absolutely is. But when you have your third string goaltender in net, you need the rest of your team to carry a lot of the the load. And and my big concern, and I talked to Jim Fox about this yesterday, is whether or not the team can play that style of defense over an extended period of time. His response was, yes, of course a team can look at Boston, you know, look at some of the other dominant teams in recent memory. If that's your identity, if that's the game you play, then it doesn't matter how long you have to play it. That's the game you play. But this team isn't built that way. 
Um, we have a lot of undersized speedy wingers. We have a lot of offensive minded puck moving right shot defensemen in the lineup. Um, I'd argue we only have a handful, less than a handful of truly defensive oriented type players. And we are encouraging some of them to be more offensive minded. So I still think that this team is a cup contender if everything breaks their way. I just find it unlikely, again, that everything will continue to break their way. I, it's far too pessimistic a public take for me to take, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of Jim Fox, I had him on this show uh, mm-hmm. not too long ago, and I asked him about Jonathan Quick. And obviously, we're going to talk about Dustin Brown in a minute, talking about Kings legends who will have their number in the rafters. Uh, obviously, Jonathan Quick is one of those players as soon as he retires. Um, but we know it's not going the way any of us would like at this point. I asked Jim Fox, do you, what do you think about Jonathan Quick and the rest of the season? And he seemed pretty convinced that Jonathan Quick still has an important role to play in the story that is this season's LA Kings. What do you, what do you think about what's going on with Jonathan Quick? Well, as trite as this answer might be, he's on the roster. So yeah. anybody <laughs> on the roster has an important part to play in the, in the rest of this season, because the Kings are far from out of the woods, you know, uh, uh, 10 game winning streak and they go you know goes a long way towards securing a playoff spot but a five game losing streak as we just saw right where they lost three in a row coupled with the wrong winning streaks for a couple other teams could you know drop you down out clear out clear out of the playoffs so phoenix copley isn't going to play every game from here until the end of the season and jonathan quick we saw last year, I would not have expected Jonathan Quick to have the late season push and playoff performance that he did last year. I just wouldn't wouldn't have seen it coming. Also wouldn't have seen the playoff performance we got out of in 2018. So while I'm not comfortable saying, oh, yeah, Quick's got it. He'll be fine. He'll rebound into form, you know, the form of a much younger man. What are we, what are, what are we worrying about? I'm not that comfortable um, saying that, but I am also not going to propose that it's impossible or that it's completely out of the realm of possibility and what we didn't see during that stretch of games from december 15th was jonathan quick be the beneficiary of that style of play that phoenix copley has been we saw him play arizona on the 23rd and he allowed one goal in regulation and they lost in a shootout it's not exactly his fault he lost to philadelphia on new year's eve day which was a game that the players and the coaching staff all unanimously agreed the team did not play that well in. Um, I'm blanking on some of the other. He, my point is he hasn't had a lot of games, so his his personal sample size in this era of stingy Kings defense is incredibly small. So I would very much like to see what Jonathan Quick's numbers are playing 13, 14, 15 games in front of a team or behind a team that is preventing passes to the slot, blocking 25% of shot attempts, um, you know, clearing rebounds uh, at a top three rate, that sort of thing. Um, I think he's, you know, it's cliche, but he's an unbelievable competitor and he really only cares about winning. Um, and, uh, I, you know, if they're going to succeed, he, he is going to have to be a part of it for sure. I got to ask you about Quentin Byfield. Uh, it, it it seems that he is a bit of a polarizing player, and I get it to a point. I mean, second overall pick, big expectations. You see the player that was just picked after him contributing more at the NHL level, Tim Stutzla in Ottawa. Uh, so there are some people who think he should be showing us more at this point, and then there's other people who think, hey, he's 20, 
He's he's developing. We we were told he was going to take a little longer to develop. It's way too early to be making any judgments on what he's going to turn into. Uh, what are your thoughts? Are there are there any legitimate reasons do you think to be concerned about Quentin Byfield, who I think is playing a lot better lately, for what it's worth? Well, <laughs> I'm a pessimist by nature, I suppose. So there's <laughs> always legitimate reasons to be <laughs> concerned about everything. But when it comes to Quentin Byfield, what I have seen personally uh, from talking to people who watched him in the OHL and from watching him myself in the AHL, progress is rarely linear. And a player like Tim Stutzla or a Trevor Zegris, you know, who comes in and immediately delivers results, I wonder where's the realistic upward progression for them? What's the likelihood that Trevor Zegris hits the league, scores a couple of Michigans, flips the puck over the net, and somehow gets better, right? What's the what's the next evolution of Trevor Zegers? Well, the next evolution has to be he learns how to play defense. He has to not take as many risks. Tim Stutzla, is Tim Stutzla going to go from being a 20-goal scorer to a 40, to a 50, to a 60? Like, I don't – that's a bold claim, and it's, and it's a rare, you know – future to hang your hat on Quentin Byfield from what I've seen and what I've heard from the people who watched him in the OHL he has a much uh more interesting learning curve in my mind he sort of starts out and you don't see the progress but then once he adapts to his environment you see the confidence build and and part of this is just selfish because I believe that I have a similar learning curve you know if you're trying to teach me how to do something you have to sit me down and slowly walk me through the steps of how to do it, you know, and it'll take me a week, two weeks, three weeks to master something that might take somebody else a day. But at the end of the week or the two weeks, I will know how to do it far better than the person who, who knocked it out of the park on day one, because their confidence is not making them curious. It's not making them look into it ways to improve or to even understand what it is they're doing. They're just doing it. And we saw in that goal that Byfield scored against Nashville. Nashville. Thank you. <laughs> but I was like, it's all I could see in my mind yellow, but I knew it wasn't. Yeah. Um, but we see in that goal, a move where you have a player who has the physical skills. Clearly he is a physically talented human being, but you saw him in a moment with pressure and, and opponents surrounding him in the moment, be able to take the time to not only recognize his own place on the ice and in relation to opponents, but to corral the puck, stop, put himself in a better situation, and then shoot the puck and not just fling it at the net in a way that, oh, like it happened to go in, but actually know where open space was behind the goaltender and place the shot in a really nice way that, uh, you know, to my mind implies that he knew what he was doing. I suppose it could have been luck. But that combined with winning board battles combined with those plays. Now you're seeing them more and more often where he takes the puck from the defensive zone, moves through the neutral zone into the offensive zone. His wingspan allows him to maneuver around the ice in ways that smaller players don't. It opens up angles and opportunities for him that, yeah, it probably will take him a beat to figure out just the geometry of the game. He's now playing against guys that are six foot, six foot one, six foot two, six foot three, you know, much bigger, much faster, much better guys than he's ever played against before. And, you know, three years ago, he was playing against kids, like actual literal children. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I am personally not concerned. I, I believe that that is, we have seen now in multiple leagues, 
in multiple tournaments that Quentin Byfield's learning curve is not that of a Connor McDavid, and I'm perfectly fine with it. We've got more with Jesse Cohen. Uh, we're going to ask him about some amazing episodes of the All the Kings Men podcast uh, coming up in just a minute. But I need to let you know that today's episode of Locked on LA Kings is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL playoffs are here, and we are excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they are the number one sports book in America. That's FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, it's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers join today and get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash Locked On. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a single-game parlay all on an app that is safe, secure, and super easy to use. So football fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet and get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. More with Jesse Cohen from the All the Kings Men podcast. And I have to get this in real quick because I feel like I just have to. Uh, the trade deadline, of course, coming up on March the 3rd. And <laughs> yeah. everyone... Has even if you don't want to know, you know who Jacob Chikrin is because it's been talked about so much. Uh, what are your thoughts on if this will actually happen or not? Uh, uh, are we talking about specifically Chikrin or just yeah, any trade at all? I, I was, I'm going to go specifically Chikrin. I'm going to say no. And yeah. it's a goofy reason, but it's my reason. I believe that when everybody everywhere agrees that something will happen, that's usually wrong. Yeah. And <laughs> People have been talking about Chikrin and listen, no disrespect to the passionate Kings fans, hockey fans, the hockey analysts, hockey people out there in the world. But Jacob Chikrin's name popped up in the conversation, what, two years ago, year it and a half seems ago. Like it. Yeah. Yeah. And at he, least and a year he, ago. Yeah. And when it happened, the conversation was, well, Rob Blake has said that the Kings want a young under contract, uh, 24 under uh, dynamic left shot defenseman right offensive left shot defenseman and that and, and everybody looked around the league and said well where does one find such a thing because surely to god there are 31 well 30 other gms that are looking for that type of player as well um it sounds great right an under 24 offensively gifted dynamic you know talented left wing defenseman or left shot defenseman who's under you know a team friendly contract like yes any gm would happily take that player so everybody glanced around the league, saw, oh, Arizona's terrible, and they have one of these players that ordinarily no team would be looking to get rid of. You know, if, J if Jacob Chikram were playing on the Boston Bruins, you know, or the Vegas Golden Knights, there'd be no conversation about the potential of him being traded. He'd be a pillar of their franchise. He'd be untouchable. But because Arizona's bad and because the Kings needed that player, everybody who loves trades, because trades are easy to talk about and they get clicks and people pay attention, even though none of them, or I shouldn't say none of them, but many of them never happen. Um, so people have been banging the chicken drum for a year and a half because it's easy. And I, that personally, I find really annoying, especially since the conversation now is we need a left shot defenseman more in the mold of a Mikey Anderson um, or, or an Alex Edler, not a Jacob Chikrin. Um, and then nobody really gets into the nitty gritty of the cap, the cap issues or what it means for the plan moving forward. Like the Kings, you know, had a plan that was already disrupted by the acquisition of Kevin Fiala. 
and I don't use disruption to imply anything negative. I just mean when the team was making all the moves that they were making and building the team the way they thought they were making it, Kevin Fiala was not a part of that plan. You can't factor in what other teams will make available to you. Um, so when you acquire a player like Fiala for the price tag that it takes to acquire a player like Kevin Fiala, you have to adapt your plan moving forward because the team you have now is not the team you had a month ago. And we've heard from upper management when a player like Kevin Fiala becomes available, you cannot pass on that opportunity. And I don't necessarily disagree, but it changes the team and it has to change the plan. So I, we're talking about a plan from a year and a half ago that didn't have a 27 goal scoring Phil Deneau or, you know, Phoenix Copley or Kevin Fiala. So no, I don't, I'm not holding my breath for the Jacob Chicken trade. If it happens, I'll talk myself into it. Don't worry. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but, but I'm not holding my breath for it. Well, it remains to be seen uh, what this LA Kings team is going to do, if it's going to be a special season or not. But 10 years ago, the LA Kings had a very special season going from the eighth seed to Stanley cup champions for the first time in their history and this past August, the Kings had a reunion of the 2012 Stanley Cup champs just down the road from me, actually, at the Terranea Resort. And you had a chance to be there. And now you are turning that experience and the interviews that you did into uh, some episodes of the All the Kings Men podcast called Memories from 2012. I guess, first off, just talk about being able to be at that event. It was... <laughs> It was the coolest thing I've gotten to do as a result of having this job. And there have been some pretty cool things that I've been able to do as a result of this job. Yeah, the team met uh, over three days, I think three days and two nights. Um, I was there with uh, a camera crew with uh, from the Kings, our production staff, uh, for two of the days. Um, we didn't spend the night. We drove home and drove back. <laughs> but they set us up in a business suite and allowed us to interview a number of the players. We uh, followed a foursome around one of the days as they played golf. Uh, the entire team played golf. Um, and we just tried to collect as many memories and thoughts from the guys from about that run in 2012 and from and about their thoughts and reflections on Dustin Brown. And because Dustin Brown's night is coming up February 11th, the team will be releasing a video um, compilation of those interviews. It'll be about 10 minutes long. It's a black and white episode. Sorry if I'm stepping on it, everybody at work. I don't know if I'm supposed to keep mm -hmm. that private or not. Um, and yeah, we have begun releasing audio episodes. Two of them are out already. Part one focused on the season, the regular season. Part two focused just on that series against Vancouver. Um, and you'll hear from Dustin Brown and from Andre Kopitar, you know, and Bob Miller, Jim Fox, Justin Williams, Jared Stoll, Matt Green about that series against Vancouver. You're, you'll, you'll hear their thoughts about um, what it meant to win, how, how they won. And uh, not yet entirely sure how many episodes we're going to stretch it mm -hmm. out into. I don't think we have enough to make St. Louis and, uh, and the Phoenix series their own episodes, honestly, because... Listen, St. Louis was over before it started, really. <laughs> that's, that's true. Um, and, and, and the Phoenix series, there's some great stuff about the Phoenix series that we have, but it's not, I don't think, a full episode because it really just comes down to the last game, I think. Um, and then tons of wonderful memories and really cool stories that I didn't know uh, from the New Jersey series. Um, and I've seen a, a couple rough cuts of the video. I know we've acquired some new 
stuff to put into it. So I, I'm sure the new versions will be just as good as the uh, as the version I've already seen. Again, apologies to my employers if I'm not supposed to be talking about that video that nobody else has seen yet. But no, it was it was really really cool. And at one point, I got to talk to Mark Unetti and Mike uh, and Mike Fuda, just the two of them and me. Um, there was a dinner the first night. All the players um, had arrived. And we had wrapped up all of our interviews, you know, one-on-ones. And the camera crew, who was made up of guys who were not here in 2012, uh, they were going to go shoot sort of B-roll of the dinner just to get footage of guys arriving and hugging and smiling and laughing and good times. And they said, we don't know who any of these guys are. (laughs) So would you mind just coming and being a spotter for us? Just we're going to stand off to the side and you just point out who who these people are and, and what shots we should get. And I said, yeah, okay, you know, I've got to get home at some point, but 20 minutes, 30 minutes of just sort of pointing people out. And I think we were there for four hours, three or four hours, just <laughs> shooting um, the guys. And it, it felt a little intrusive on the one hand, but but at, on the other hand, everybody was very nice to us, very kind to us, and didn't make us feel like we were intruding. And it was just awesome uh, getting to see the guys. And at one point, Somebody from PR came and grabbed me and said, you know, I know you've requested to talk to Fuda and Yanetti. They're both here. They're both ready to do it. So I went and we there's a little cabana you know, on a cliff looking out over the Pacific Ocean, uh, very close to sunset. And I got to talk to them for 20 minutes. So at some point, that conversation will also be a standalone episode because listening to the two of them, they're very close friends and they're both very funny men. Um, so that'll be an episode. And uh, yeah, I don't think I gave it a very good name. Because uh, when you're sort of scrolling through <laughs> the episodes and it just says memories from 2012, I don't think that really exactly <laughs> sums think, up what it is. And at I, this point, I, I think Kings fans remember that year. I think they'll know yeah, what, what's going well, on. But what I mean, it's it's more than just memories, right? Like we've done yeah. memories of that thing. So I may need to come up with a better naming convention because I really do want people to listen to it because there is some there's some new takes on some old stories that we are all familiar with, and um, and it's also my first turn at doing a narrative podcast not just me talking to somebody so um i hope people like it i I saw the photo that um uh megan carter uh tweeted out which alerted me that this was even happening because it seemed like it was kind of on the download did i was was. trying to look at the picture and figure out if everyone was there did everybody make it for the reunion uh my understanding is that dustin penner and slava voinov were the only people that didn't attend dean lombardi arrived after we left but we spoke to Sutter and Stevens and Bob and Jim and I think all the players. I mean, Davis Drewiski, Kevin Westgarth, Jonathan Bernier, they were all there. I mean, I think that was it. I think those two guys were the only ones that didn't show. More with Jesse Cohen in a second. We have to talk about the Kings' next home game, which promises to be a special night. But real quick, uh, this episode of Locked on LA Kings also brought to you by Athletic Greens. With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day off right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, nervous system, your immune system, your energy refocus, aging. AG1 contains less than one gram of sugar, costs you less than $3 a day. It's just one scoop and a cup of water. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free, free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. That's athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. 
wrapping up with uh, Jesse Cohen here. And Jesse, sorry, I'm keeping you a little longer than than was expected, but uh, appreciate your time here. Uh, the next home game for the Kings is Saturday, February the 11th against the Pittsburgh Penguins. So Jeff Carter will be in town for this, but it is the Dustin Brown jersey retirement and statue unveiling outside crypto.com arena. I know the Kings want us to remind everyone, yes, the game time 7.30, but the festivities begin at 6 p.m., so get down to the arena accordingly because this is going to be a very special night. Um, do, you, do you have any insight as to how what how this is going to go down? Any roadmap of the night or anything like that? Well, I'm not sure. <laughs> I should have asked somebody. I'm not sure how much I'm allowed to say. Okay, fair enough. Um, I have been a part of the planning meetings, and so it's a it's a fuzzy line on how much I know about and how much I'm really supposed to say. But I will say this: there will be a roadmap. Of, made available at some point very soon and if you want to go i would encourage you to do so because it's going to be there's going to be a lot it's a lot (laughs) um and i don't think you'll want to miss it um and i would encourage fans to avail themselves of the resources made available to them between now and february 11th um but yes certainly don't show up at 715 expecting that because the schedule says the game starts at 730 that you will you know be in time uh and i realize that's you know a tall order sometimes but i don't think you'll want to miss a moment of it there is a lot planned and uh, it should be a really really uh, amazing night and finally um you know i've been very lucky enough to be i was at the gretzky retirement i was at the rob blake i was at the luke robitaille but i was not a kings fan or a hockey fan when any of those guys started their career i literally saw dustin brown's entire career from a teenager to a man a father uh and everything so it definitely feels different for me to have seen this guy really his whole career as a king and never played for another team and captain of two stanley cups so it, this one does feel kind of more special i think for me and i think probably for a lot of people yeah, I remember going to the draft party when he was drafted. Uh, it was at Hollywood and Highland. It was in a ballroom. I, I don't know if it was a hotel or just the facility there has, you know, halls available to be rented out because they do the Academy Awards there. But yeah, I would. I mean, I'm in the same boat you are. I was there at the Gretzky retirement. I was there at the Robitaille retirement and, uh, and uh, Blake. And I guess I might have been at the Taylor, but I don't think I was. But, I mean, I was certainly there for the statues. And, yeah, Dustin Brown, for the time of my life that he came into the league and and me being an adult for the breadth of his entire career. Um, and, like I said, being in – I remember watching on the big monitor at the draft party and everybody – I don't remember if people even knew who the players were because it was 2003, so there was no, no it, internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah right, no there internet. Was, there was limited internet, but like yeah. it wasn't, you know, the, the awareness of draft uh, prospects wasn't as high as it is now. So I don't think people were in the hall expecting like, oh, well, we want this player or that player. But I remember thinking when they took that pick at two, at 13th overall, like I, Dustin Brown never heard of him. <laughs> like, all right. Um, but I do remember Eddie, his first season, he didn't play a full season. It was like 30 games or something, but he came in and annihilated the best player on every team they played. And it was like, I don't know. We talked to him about it when we had a chance to talk to him. So look out for that episode when it comes out in the future, but you know, just sort of asking him, like, was it a point of personal pride that you would go out and line up, you know, Marcus Nasland or Pavel Dotsuk or whoever it was on the other team that was their best player feels like Dustin Brown put them on their back 
in a big mean way. So yeah, to see that the breadth of that story told and now to get to be there for, uh, for this chapter, um, it's, it's emotional. It's going to be fun. Well, looking forward to that night and looking forward to more of your memories from 2012. Uh, if the folks don't know already, please let them know where they can find the All the King's Men podcast. Yeah, the simplest way to find it is to go to lakings.com slash podcast. But I know there are a lot of people out there who use different apps. Um, some people like to listen to their podcasts on Spotify, on Stitcher, on uh, Pocket Cast, whatever. So generally speaking, wherever fine podcasts are curated, you can find all the King's Men. Um, but if you don't know how to do any of that or you're not interested in doing that, lakings.com slash podcast is where you can find all the King's Men. We also make uh, King's Talk and LA King's Game Night, the pregame and postgame radio shows from home games available in downloadable podcast form on a separate feed called LA Kings Insider Audio. So if you want to hear Nick and Daryl, but you're at the game and you don't want to figure out <laughs> how to make iHeart work on your phone or your car stereo, um, but you do want to listen to Kings Talk, those are also made available. Those are not currently on lakings.com slash podcast, but will be soon. And uh, we are working to get those available in all the different places that podcasts are curated, but currently Apple Podcasts should have that feed on it as well. And uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see, and if you're not, I'll let you know that you can also follow the podcast on Twitter at Kings Men Podcast. Jesse, thank you so much for your time. Went a, went a little bit longer than I thought we were going to, which is not a bad thing, but uh, thank you for sticking around a little bit longer than, uh, than uh, expected. Appreciate that. Appreciate your time and continued good work with the All the Kings Men Podcast. Thanks for having me on, Eddie. And if I could say one more time, if you're going to Dustin Brown, I go early. Agreed. And I will make sure people can't uh, hammer that home. People that, that listen to this show will they will absolutely know that. So thank yeah. you very much. Thanks, Jesse. Thanks, Eddie. All right. Hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. I know I certainly did. Um, we'll wrap it up very quickly by letting you reminding you that uh, the Kings are in action tonight in Philadelphia to take on the Flyers game three of their six game road trip, 4 p.m. L.A. time. It is being televised locally on Valley Sports West. You can hear it on the Kings iHeart audio app as well. We'll have a full recap of the game. Coming up on tomorrow's show, thank you for making Locked on LA Kings your first listen every day. Now I invite you to check out Locked on NHL Prospects, your daily prospects, or excuse me, your daily podcast covering the next generation of hockey superstars leading up to the NHL draft, plus NHL draft rankings and top prospect comparisons for every team. That is Locked on NHL Prospects, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening and watching Locked on LA Kings. I'm Eddie Garcia. As always, go Kings go.